Hey everyone, how you doing? I'm Phil Elbertelli, and this is the Week in Doubt episode, I guess I'll call it 261. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know if I was going to do a regular episode this week, because earlier in the week I did that impromptu, unscripted Halloween episode. But I figure that it might seem like kind of a weird lapse, because I think that was on Tuesday, if I didn't release another episode near the end of the week, as I usually do. And you guys almost had a very controversial, uh, I was going to say almost uh, too hot for iTunes, perhaps, uh, episode of The Weekend Out on your hands. Yesterday, I think it's only the second time in the history of the show that I ever had to ban someone, but I banned someone from the YouTube channel, someone from my personal life who is dragging drama from my personal life into the YouTube comments section and kind of poking and prodding me. So I ended up banning them, and last night I started to record an episode, and it went on for over an hour. I recorded myself just going off, talking about this very personal stuff that went down, and someday it still might turn into an episode, we'll see. But for now, I've decided to, uh, to put it in storage, so to speak. You know, because this show is not supposed to be about my personal drama, unless it somehow relates to the subject matter at hand or falls into the usual wheelhouse of religion, atheism, whatever. Sometimes I'll even talk about my struggle with depression if I think it will help someone out there. Um, but if this person keeps on poking and prodding me and kind of harassing me online, then eventually, uh, in an attempt to help get them off my back, which I, I guess, now I think about it, dedicating a whole episode to the issue could uh, backfire, potentially. But in an attempt to shut the person up and just get my side of the story out there, I might release that episode. So I don't know if I've piqued your interest with that or not. And you guys know me. I'm a pretty mellow, laid-back guy, so I usually don't get caught up in a lot of drama, whether it be online or offline in my personal life. Uh, but I kind of reconnected with the wrong person. I guess I'll put it that way. And uh, some th things got ugly. But anyway, uh, let, let me know what you guys think about whether you want to hear that episode or not. Out of respect for the person's privacy and anonymity, I left out their actual name, their aliases, uh, online, all that stuff. So I at least tried to be... Um, even though we had a falling out, I at least tried to give them that much and be uh, be decent and fair. And at least, you know, not shame the person or name them publicly. But I'm going to try and make it so I don't end up recording another hour-long screed about that. And I'm going to try and do what I initially set out to do. And that is to just browse some news stories with you guys. Uh, this is completely unscripted. And, you know, just have some fun kicking back. I've got a glass of rum and coke here, and we'll see how things go. And I'm using a screen capture tool, so you guys will hopefully be able to feel like you're browsing the net with me when you watch the YouTube version of this. So the first story is from Right Wing Watch, and it's entitled, Trump allied pastor Rodney Howard Brown says the CIA controls ISIS and vaccines are population control. And this is dated November 2nd. And it's by Kyle Mantilla, I think it is. Or Mantilla? I don't know. You guys know how bad I am with names. As we have noted before, right-wing pastor Rodney Howard Brown, who laid hands upon and prayed over President Trump in the Oval Office earlier this year, is a radical conspiracy theorist, and the characteristic was on full dis and that characteristic, sorry about that, was on full display during a sermon that he delivered on Wednesday night to his congregation in Tampa, Florida. In the sermon, Howard Brown spent over an hour railing against everything from the banking system and chemtrails to the Bohemian Grove and Nazi control of the U.S. government. Nazi control of the U.S. government. Well, Bohemian Grove, like, I'm, uh, I don't like to blanketly say that I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I reject most quote-unquote conspiracy theories but I always leave the door open a little because I think sometimes there actually are conspiracies that go on behind the scenes, whether it be um, 
the Gulf of Tonkin or uh, Operation Northwoods, that type of stuff. But uh, generally speaking, I'm rather skeptical of uh, conspiracy theories, uh, especially the more out in left field ones like uh, reptilians, um, chemtrails. Well, I have to admit that even though I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, uh, as almost a form of entertainment, I do sometimes watch Alex Jones, and I've even watched some of his old uh, documentaries that he made, like the the one about how he infiltrated Bohemian Grove. And that is pretty freaky. I don't know if you've ever seen that footage. Uh, Bohemian Grove is basically where all these political and cultural bigwigs get together and kind of rub elbows. It's kind of this weird elitist uh, summer camp <laughs> for... Uh, high power players or whatever. And, um, but they do get up to some weird stuff. Uh, I think there's footage out there, something called the cremation of care that Alex Jones recorded. And it, it's like a bunch of older middle-aged men on a stage in the middle of the woods, acting out this very bizarre play with a sculpture of a giant wooden owl and all this stuff. Uh, very bizarre, very weird, so I don't think that Bohemian Grove is necessarily evidence that there's some evil elitist cabal running the show behind the scenes. But it is kind of disconcerting to see what uh, some of the most powerful people in the world get up to when they get together, uh, at least in a context like Bohemian Grove. And in a sense, I mean, I guess in a way I do think that warped, you know, politicians do run the world, uh, but usually we elect them. Uh, sometimes elections can be uh, interfered with, though, or, you know, people can try to game the system. Uh, there was just that news that, that broke recently where Donna Brazil confirmed the shenanigans that the DNC were up to concerning the, uh, the last presidential election and how they basically tried to unfairly knock Bernie Sanders out of the game and kind of rig things for Hillary. Uh, I myself, as I always say, I consider myself a left-leaning independent. I don't trust most politicians on either side of the aisle as far as I can throw them. A good deal of them seem to be uh, damaged narcissists uh, as far as I can tell. And in fairness, you know, I'm not trying to say all of them. I think there are some good and decent politicians out there who hopefully embark on a political career for good or noble reasons. But anyway, I'll continue. At one point, he warned that quote-unquote globalists might use President Trump's upcoming trip to South Korea as an opportunity to launch a false flag attack against the president in order to justify launching a war against North Korea while asserting, <clears throat> yeah, while asserting that ISIS is trained and controlled by the CIA. I definitely don't think that ISIS is trained and controlled by the CIA, but uh, I think we've had a questionable presence in the Middle East for a very long time and uh, a habit of trying to play certain factions against each other or, you know, back a certain horse only to be, you know, have it bite us on the ass later on down the road. And here's a quote. The dogs want war, Howard Brown said. Our American men and women are being used as cannon fodder for the globalist agenda. We're not in Afghanistan because we're killing terrorists. The ISIS bases are in 49 states in America that the CIA brings them. Yeah, I, well, the grammar's kind of weird. In America that the CIA brings them and trains them here and then ships them out to the areas of the world where they, where they want there to be conflict. They are all trained here. Osama bin Laden worked for the CIA. So does Anderson Cooper. Work that one out. And uh, if I remember correctly, Anderson Cooper, I think, interned with the CIA or something like that. So there is some connection there. And it's funny, you know, he touches on things that I think most decent, reflective uh, Americans can relate to. That, you know, uh, worrying about the troops and our presence overseas, you know, wars we're bogged down in, etc., uh, where, but he says, you know, we're not in Afghanistan because we're killing terrorists. You know, he talks about our men and women being used for, you know, used as cannon fodder. And I wish we weren't over there still as well. Um, I mean, 9-11 was a long time ago. Uh, 
But, you know, then he kind of goes off the deep end with the stuff about ISIS bases and 49 American states and all that. I think that's kind of the danger, you know, conspiracy theorists often touch on things that resonate with us, uh, you know, feelings we have about certain injustices or um, distrust of the government and whatnot. But then they go far, you know, far out into left field and, you know, go through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole. And there's a little video here. And uh, I have my screen capture program set up to record audio from my mic. So I don't know if this will catch the embedded audio or not. I've already, I've already, already communicated with the White House. For whatever reason, whoever's around the president's taking him now to North Korea, to actually South Korea, to the demilitarized zone. For what? So we have to pray protection. Because here's what they do. They do a false flag, try to shoot him down. If they shoot him down, we go to war with North Korea. They get rid of him and they get the war that they want. Because they want war with either North Korea. They want war with Russia. They want war with China or in Syria or Iran. Because the dogs want war. We're not fighting for freedom and liberty that the founding fathers fought for at the establishment of America. We are fighting for the industrial military complex that makes money off of war. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because without the threat of war, nobody's going to buy war machines. Nobody will buy jets and tanks and ships and all of these things. And our American men and women are being used as cannon fodder for the globalist agenda. We're not in Afghanistan because we're killing terrorists. The ISIS bases are in 49 states of America that the CIA bring them and train them here, then ship them out to the areas of the world where they want there to be conflict. They're all trained here. Osama bin Laden worked for the CIA. So does Anderson Cooper. Work that one out. Oh, there's that morbid right-wing watch music. Makes me feel like I'm dying. Uh... <laughs> That's just an ongoing joke. It is kind of morbid sounding, though. Uh, let's see. Later in the sermon, Howard Brown claimed that vaccines are really just an end eugenicist effort to impose population control on the world by sterilizing people and giving them diseases, vowing that he'll, quote unquote, go Old Testament if anyone ever tries to forcibly vaccinate him. Well, I mean, that guy's looking pretty long in the tooth. Uh, I imagine that he would have already been vaccinated a long time ago. Hopefully, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what kind of uh, diseases he might be carrying, mange or whatever. Um, but here's where it gets kind of serious because, you know, I'm not a parent. And I, I think I can understand how someone who's a parent, you know, you have this kid, this little being that means the world to you, that you're responsible for. And I could understand why you might feel some kind of apprehension when it comes to someone sticking a needle, you know, with God knows what in it, God figuratively, still an agnostic atheist, into your child's arm or whatever. And I can understand how something about that kind of touches a nerve. Um, it must be hard to just hand over trust to someone else when it comes to your child and hope that they're doing what's in their best interest and what's actually in that syringe is going to help and not hurt your child. But that being said, um, I think vaccines have been a great boon to society. And it actually, it gets me upset when I hear this paranoid talk where you have people who might be being heard by other impressionable people trying to dissuade people from getting their children vaccinated. Because, I mean, life is hard enough. I really don't want to see the return of crippling diseases like polio, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you might think that it's your right to not have your kid vaccinated. But don't other parents have a right to not have their children exposed to life-threatening diseases. And, uh, you know, I always feel like I have to apologize or add a caveat before reading from Wikipedia. This is an unscripted episode, so, uh, you know, I'm just trying to... I mean, you can research this stuff for yourself. I'm just trying to give a starting point or some kind of basic reference. 
And this is talking about the MMR vaccine controversy. Uh, it says it started with the 1998 publication of a fraudulent research paper in the Lancet linking the combined measles, mumps, and rubella MMR vaccine to colitis and autism spectrum disorders. The claims in the paper were widely reported, leading to a sharp drop in vaccination rates in the UK and Ireland and increases in incidence of measles and mumps, resulting in deaths and severe and permanent injuries. Following the initial claims in 1998, multiple large epidemiological studies were undertaken. Reviews of the evidence by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Institute of Medicine of the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, the U.K. National Health Service, and the Cochrane Library all found no link between the MMR vaccine and autism. And this goes on and on. I, I know some people out there might have other reservations besides this so-called autism risk. But, you know, I'm just trying to give you some insight to what the mainstream medical view is on this alleged risk. Yeah, and I really don't feel like falling back into the dark ages where everyone is dying young and the streets are crawling with disease because no one's getting vaccinated. No thanks. But anyways, let's see. Um, there was talk about five years ago, and this is a quote by that controversial pastor again. They were going to stop people by the side of the road and give them forced vaccinations, he said. Let them try. I have a couple of injections for them, and it's going to be the size of a 45. I can promise you right now, somebody said, but you're a Christian. Yeah, I am, but I'll go Old Testament for half an hour. It's not a problem. And I don't know what that like. I don't know what that horrible accent I slipped into was. This guy has a weird accent. I'm not sure what the heck it is. But I think that's it for that story. See, this one's also from Right Wing Watch. And it's also from November 2nd. Religious right activist E.W. Jackson plotting a run for the U.S. Senate. And this is also, this is by Kyle Mantila. Mantila uh, uh, I apologize, Kyle. I am sure I am absolutely butchering your name. Uh, but please don't take it personally. I tend to do that to about eight out of 10 people. Let's see. Uh, back in 2013, when longtime religious right activist E.W. Jackson was named as the Virginia Republican Party's nominee to be lieutenant governor, we posted a long list of some of the crazy things he had said over the years. And this should be fun. There's a, a list with bullet points here. See, he referred to gays and lesbians as quote-unquote perverted degenerate, spiritually darkened, and frankly, very sick people psychologically, mentally, and emotionally. Well, you can probably guess what my view is on that. I think, uh, I think largely that sexual orientation is probably at least partly biological, as I've said before on the show. I think the human sex drive is so hardwired in us and so strong. I don't think a person can arbitrarily choose their sexual orientation or preference. Uh, I've talked jokingly on the show before about how I knew at a very young age that I liked girls and how I found myself feeling funny when I looked at like Chitara from the Thundercats or Suzanne Summers on Old Three's Company episodes. And I started, you know, feeling funny when I looked at uh, some of my more attractive female teachers. Eventually, I noticed myself feeling funny when I uh, locked eyes with the, you know, the girl sitting across from me. So yeah, I knew from a very young age that I, I liked women. And I can't imagine anything in the world altering that, you know, but th in fairness, I do think sometimes there can be cultural or societal factors. I've talked before about examples, you know, throughout history where in certain societies or ancient cultures where homosexuality or bisexuality was more the, the norm and more prevalent, more widely accepted. And so sure, you were more likely to see more of that activity. Or I think even examples in the modern world where there's certain places around the globe still where the sexes are raised separately leading up to adulthood and you see more same-sex experimentation because well the opposite sex ain't around and uh, i think i've heard of similar th i think even christopher hitchens talked about his boyhood experiences in um boarding schools or whatever 
So I think, yeah, there can be uh, cultural or societal influences. I'm even thinking of that old, like, not old, but you know, some years back, there's the kind of girls gone wild phenomenon, which I think you still see going on, where I think it's, it's more normal for girls to engage in same-sex experimentation than it is guys, you know? But that being said, generally speaking, I, I think um, for many of us, I think the sex drive is so, the human sex drive is so strong, it seems like it's really hardwired. I don't think it's something that you arbitrarily, arbitrarily choose because you want to be some kind of rebellious degenerate or whatever. And whether it's biological or not, or a combination, you know, nature and nurture, who cares? Two consenting adults or two consenting teenagers um, of the same sex want to experiment or engage in a sexual or um, romantic relationship. Who cares? Who cares? And you might be saying, well, why you bring up teenagers? I only bring up teenagers because we all know, like it or not, and once again, this is kind of a thing where maybe I'm a little thankful I'm not a parent. Because the human sex drive is so strong, teenagers are going to experiment, you know? And if a teenager feels like they're wired to be gay, so to speak, and and they're going to experiment with a same-sex person and it's consensual instead of experimenting with an opposite sex, a person of the opposite sex, like most of us do or whatever, then, you know, who cares? I'm not going to lose any sleep at night over that. Obviously, I feel more comfortable talking about this in the scenario, uh, in the context of adults, of adult relations, rather. We have two fully formed adults responsible for their own decisions and well-being. Uh, if you have two consenting adults of the same sex who either want to, I don't care if it's a one-night stand or if it's a, a marriage or a romantic relationship, have at it. Let them. Life's hard enough as it is. If people can find some joy and love in this world without anyone else being hurt, who cares if they're the same sex or not or what they got going on in the bedroom? Give me a break. Um, let's see. Said regarding homosexuality, it poisons culture, it destroys families, it destroys societies, it brings the judgment of God, unlike very few things that we can think of. This judgment of God shit, honestly, man, it's like there has been sorrow, suffering, iniquity, mass death, um, natural disasters as long as there's been man and, and probably before that obviously because uh, the earth was around for a long long time before us and uh, other creatures were snuffed out and died and suffered long before we were around so yeah, the, it's this really short-sighted thinking that all of the suffering, natural disasters, uh, all that we see that's negative surrounding us is because God is punishing us for doing something wrong. And uh, also these type of people, these fundies or whatever, will also try to read signs of the end times into it, you know? And like I said, you know, it's the human condition. There's been human suffering, iniquity, and uh, natural disasters wiping people out since time immemorial. And uh, the world hasn't ended yet. Someday it will. Maybe a planet-killing kill asteroid. Uh, maybe the death of the sun will take us out. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll kill our species off ourselves with a global nuclear war or whatever. We will, this planet and, and us will be history someday, but I don't think God's going to have anything to do with it. Um, di didn't Jesus claim that he would come back in his own lifetime before the generation he was speaking to had passed? And uh, yeah, you're all still waiting. I'm going to pour myself some more rum and coke. And uh, you know, as I was pouring myself a drink and thinking about it, even if this scenario were true, there was some higher power up there, some patriarchal god, uh, some ancient Jewish patriarchal war or sky god punishing us every time you know we we go astray. What kind of god is that? Just wiping people off the face of the earth, causing tsunamis and massive earthquakes, smiting people with disease. Um, it's like the equivalent of some 
petulant child uh, finding gruesome ways to kill off a tank full of hamsters or something. You know, it's it's disgusting. I don't know why I brought up hamsters. I think because I've actually I started getting nostalgic about having hamsters myself as a kid, and I was thinking about, oh, hey, why don't I just go to the pet store and buy a hamster? But I have a Chihuahua. And I got to think about my dog. There's two animals I'd have to uh, pay attention to. And um, hamster, I get attached to my pets and hamsters only live a few years, you know. And the damn thing will probably bite me. Uh, (laughs) I think I'm feeling a little loosened up already. But let's see, it goes on. Um, Argued that gays seek to sexualize children at the earliest possible age and use totalitarian tactics. So, um... No, I'm trying to be as fair and as honest as possible. And I don't, no, I don't think that um, gays in general sexualize children. But I think I would have been kind of a little dishonest if I didn't bring up that. What popped to mind was the recent story in the news with Kevin Spacey. You know, he got in trouble because of the crazy wild deluge of sexual assault cases just pouring out of the closet recently. Harvey Weinstein, Brett Ratner, I think uh, one of the actors from that 70s show, uh, Kevin Spacey, um, Steven Seagal, and that doesn't surprise me. He always seemed like a uh, self-important douche. I'm not surprised that he thought he could try to use people as, you know, toys or whatever. But uh, yeah, Kevin Spacey, and it's a shame because I think a lot of people, you know, just love Kevin Spacey. I remember thinking I found him a little strange at first. And I think the movie Seven really kind of messed with me when I was younger. And he did such a great job in that role that I think I kind of resented him and kind of connected him with his character in Seven. What's in the box? But anyway, so I guess uh, Kevin Spacey was at a party. I think it was mostly gay men. And one of the attendees was a young actor a 14-year-old boy, I think his name is Anthony Rapp, and I guess Kevin Spacey tried to uh, mount the kid, threw him on a bed and tried to mount him or something. And now this story is coming out about Kevin Spacey. Uh, well, he was the director of some playhouse. I guess it was very common knowledge that he would kind of grope and come on to and sexually harass other male actors, etc., And then I'm thinking about Milo Yiannopoulos talking about how when he was a young gay kid in his teens, how he had numerous sexual relationships with older men, including a priest. But I don't think that's necessarily demonstrative of gay behavior at large. Uh, I have a gay sister, gay friends, um, really good, decent, moral people. The only relationships I've ever seen them in are with grown adults. Do I think it's possible? I mean, maybe in some circles, there's kind of a cultural thing where young gay men, like gay teenagers coming of age, might get involved with older gay men. That seems to be the case. It probably happens to some degree. But like I said, I don't think it's indicative of a widespread problem or something that's characteristic to gay people. And there's plenty of examples also of analogous situations with heterosexuals. I can remember when I was in high school, uh, you'd always hear about pretty girls in your grade who had college-age boyfriends and things like that. You know what I mean? And I think technically when I was 18 or 19, I was dating someone that I would have been a legal adult. And one of my very ser- my, well, my very first serious girlfriends was a couple years younger than me uh, when I was like 18 or 19. So I think technically stuff like that can happen, you know, with heterosexuals as well. And um, even if you take it to a darker extreme, we're not talking about Romeo and Juliet couple of years age difference. We're talking about grown adults preying on young teenagers or whatever. I think that probably happens in heterose- uh, heterosexual circles too. Wasn't there that whole Lolita Express controversy involving prominent politicians uh, etc. So I don't think that gays should be demonized for cases of gay men who obviously wrongly get involved with underage boys any more than heterosexuals as a whole should be demonized for when, you know, a teacher gets involved with a kid or something like that or some 
dirty politician or some bigwig, you know, pays for a teenage prostitute or whatever. Um, wow, what depressing subject matter. <laughs> but anyway, next. Wondered how the Democratic Party, quote-unquote, managed to hold on to black Christians in spite of an agenda worthy of the Antichrist. Okay, so I had to kind of process that one for a minute. At first, as I was reading it, I thought he was saying that black Christians have an agenda worthy of the Antichrist. But he's saying the Democratic Party has an agenda worthy of the Antichrist. Uh, and although I am left-leaning, I don't consider myself a Democrat. I try to avoid that whole our team versus your team mentality and try to assess political issues on their merit and on the facts and not out of blind party allegiance. So, uh, I mean, you're not going to hurt my feelings by bad-mouthing the Democratic Party. But of course, as an atheist, agnostic atheist, non-believer, whatever, uh, <laughs> um, I don't believe in an antichrist, so I don't think that the Democratic Party has an agenda worthy of the antichrist. There's some uh, Democratic politicians that, you know, I wouldn't trust as far as I could throw them. And uh, I'm distrustful of politicians in general, so. But, uh, yeah, he lost me at antichrist or whatever. Let's see. Proclaimed that the quote-unquote Democrat Party had shown itself to be anti-Christian, anti-Bible, anti-family, anti-life, and anti-God. Oh, you're going to make me like the Democrats again. We're calling people to come out of the Democrat Party and not support candidates who represent its values in the rebellion that it represents against God. That certainly would include President Barack Obama. So this is obviously somewhat old. Um, there's plenty of religious Democrats, uh, Christian Democrats out there. Anti-family, anti-life, uh, that's probably a nod to things like, you know, uh, being in favor of a woman's right to choose, like I am, obviously, and being in favor of things like gay marriage, which I also am, which I think I alluded to a little bit ago. As far as anti-Christian, anti-Bible, as far as that crap goes, I don't consider myself to be necessarily a militant atheist um, someone who feels very strongly about expunging religion from the face of the earth or whatever. Uh, do I think the world would be a better place if we lived in some Star Trek-esque utopia where people were good for the sake of being good and embraced enlightenment values and um, moved beyond religion? like this kind of humanist uh, utopia. Yeah, I do think that would be a better place. And that's, I, I would like to see humanity get to a place like that someday. But there's still things that I like about certain religions. Most of it kind of superficial stuff, like uh, the sound of sacred music, votive candles flickering in a dark church, or, you know, stained glass, things like that. The sound of a mass read in Latin or whatever. You know, holidays, festivals, that type of thing. But I guess I am strongly, as, I, as I've proven time and time again in the past on the show, I am strongly against literal interpretation of religious text. Um, I'm strongly against the more anachronistic, barbaric bits of the Old Testament. The, um, you know, the brutality, the misogyny. Uh, you know, people being killed for adultery, um, people selling their daughters into slavery, horrible stories like the one that as, you know, as atheists, we've probably heard referenced a lot. Hitchens used to talk about it a lot. Is it uh, Moses against the uh, Amalekites or the Midianites? I think it's the Midianites. When after defeating them, he basically tells his forces to kill everyone except for the women children of a certain age, you know, those keep for yourself. And as Hitchens used to like to say, I don't think they were they were going to keep them as pets. Most likely they were taking them as sex slaves or concubines or whatever. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, it's in Numbers 31, 15 through 18. And Moses said to them, Have you spared all the women? Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, probably butchering that, 
So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman who has known man intimately. But all the girls who have not known man intimately, spare for yourselves. Yeah, so stuff like that I think is absolutely reprehensible. And I think there is some wisdom and some inspirational bits to be found in both the Old and New Testament. There's even biblical stories that I find inspirational or moving or that I enjoy the symbolic value of. But there's a lot of nasty stuff in there, too. And this, to me, sounds more like something some archaic war god would command and not some enlightened, loving creator of the universe. And basically, that's what, you know, that's what Yahweh is. Basically, an old Mesopotamian or Canaanite war or sky god. Yeah, so like I was saying, I think I got a little off, tr off track, but the point I was trying to make is I don't necessarily like to think of myself as anti-Christian, but maybe I am anti-Bible in a sense, <laughs> you know, at least anti-literal interpretation of the Bible and anti-not being morally repulsed by some of the nasty stuff in the Bible. But I think people should be, you know, often it's looked at like a bad thing if you're someone who likes to dig through the Bible, picking and choosing what you like, like a cafeteria Catholic. And I think there is a certain measure of hypocrisy there. Um, but for someone like me, if you don't consider yourself a Christian at all, I think it's all right to say, you know, you find certain stories inspirational or that they have a certain value to them, you know, and still be able to admit the brutality and anachronistic barbarism in other parts of the Bible. And obviously, you know, I'm also against religious indoctrination, etc., etc. Uh, I wish everyone could just take a step back objectively and, you know, look at religions for what they are. To me, they're basically man-made belief systems. There's some beauty and wisdom to be found in them, and there's also some stuff we should probably just stay clear of. A lot of uh, superstition and barbarism and uh, toxic junk. See, he argued that liberalism and their ideas have done more to kill black folks whom they claim so much to love than the Ku Klux Klan. Lynching and slavery and Jim Crow ever did. Now, that's a fact. That's his quote. I, don't, I, I honestly don't even know what that means. I mean, we know that the Ku Klux Klan killed people. We know that people were lynched. We know that people were enslaved and, and sometimes died or were killed well enslaved and we know the history of Jim Crow so i mean what does he mean that liberalism and their ideas have killed black people i don't know if that's some kind of weird reference to what he views as the nanny state or something like that maybe the nanny state um encouraging black people to stay in a place of poverty and inner city conflict and stuff. I'm not saying that's what I, what I think. I'm just trying to wrap my head around what the hell is he talking about. Liberalism and their ideas have done more to kill, and it should be liberals in their eye, but it says liberalism and their ideas have done more to kill black folks whom they claim to love so much than the Ku Klux Klan, lynching and slavery and Jim Crow ever did. <sighs> I can't really wrap my head around that one. See, he maintained that Obama seems to have a lot of sympathy for even radical Islam and clearly has Muslim sensibilities, arguing that Obama certainly does have a lot of affection and favor for Islam. That seems to be his priority. Christianity, I don't really think about that with him. I really don't. That's a joke. Well, Barack Obama claims to be Christian, and I have no reason to doubt him. And I forget the name of that controversial pastor that he hung out with, or, you know, he was a part of his congregation. Um, so we know he attended Christian church. We know he refers to himself as a Christian. I mean, you wouldn't second guess, you know, someone else, uh, someone else, if they claim they're a Christian, you take their word for it. I mean, I'm willing to be a little cynical. You might say that like a lot of politicians, who knows, maybe a lot of them are even atheists, but for the sake of their political career, they claim to be religious. Um, so they could kind of pander to a or appeal to a, a broader religious demographic or whatever and as far as the thing with islam i think you know obama is uh, a democrat um i think he could be a little pc at times like a lot of politicians 
So I think he tried, he won, I don't know if I'd say out of his way, but he did try to make a point of it to not demonize Islam. Um, I don't think that necessarily means he was harboring some secret affection for Islam or that he himself was a secret Muslim. You know what I mean? Uh, I've heard Republican politicians kind of make it a point to say, it's not Islam as a whole. There's a lot of good uh, Muslim Americans out there. You know, in an attempt, which I think is right, to not stir up or ferment hatred that could lead to the murder and harassment in the streets of people who happen to be Muslim and don't have any ties to terrorism, you know? So I think that's probably the responsible way to go about it if you're a politician. But at the same time, I don't think you should be so PC that you put your head in the sand or bury your head in the sand when it comes to the realities of fundamentalist Islam and some of the nastier bits of the Quran and things like that. Um, and fairness to Barack Obama, I think he stepped up drone attacks compared to his predecessor, George W., didn't he? So it's not like he was a dove, militarily speaking. Um, yeah, drone attacks picked up uh, under uh, Barack Obama. There's probably a lot of people over in the Middle East, I should be laughing about it, but just, you know, the absurdity of it, who have probably lost uh, loved ones in the middle of uh, wedding parties and stuff like that from drone attacks, who uh, probably wouldn't necessarily agree with you on um, Obama's sympathies towards Islam or whatever. Um, let's see. Compare Democratic leaders to quote-unquote slave masters who make sure that black people who disagree with them are punished. Um, I don't know if that one makes sense to me either. I mean, I'd probably need some kind of example. I don't even know what the guy's talking about. And I don't know what context this quote is in. Democratic leaders, compare Democratic leaders to slave masters who make sure that black people who disagree with them are punished. I don't even know what that means. Is he talking about black politicians, political colleagues and allies? Or is he talking about the black populace? I have no idea. Uh pretty weird. When Jackson was asked about his outrageous comments during the 2013 campaign, he routinely tried to play the victim by complaining that he was being persecuted and that his freedom of speech was being trampled. And when Jackson lost his race, he fumed that he had been portrayed as a nutcase, uh, well, you know, if the shoe fits, and insisted that he should have won the election based on the fact that he won 70% of the geographic region of the state. Following his loss, Jackson returned to his life as a bomb-throwing religious right activist, but he is now reportedly considering another run for office by launching a campaign to challenge Virginia's Democratic Senator, Tim Kaine, who is up for re-election next year. In a way, I don't even know why I have this damn screen capture tool on, because it seems like I'm barely scrolling through these pages. Um, it's probably going to end up looking like I just threw you know, some still images up there. Right, then we have one involving the Satanic Temple. And man, that organization has really blown up. And uh, I used to have kind of like a friendly back and forth on Twitter with Lucian Greaves, the leader of the Satanic Temple. And um, I was even close to having an interview with him at one point. It was his idea. I had done an, uh, an episode, a while, it could have been more than a year ago or something, about the Satanic Temple, and like an ass, I kept mistakenly referring to it as the uh, Temple of Satan. I think I half-jokingly said that I should just start my own organization, the Temple of Satan. But it's properly called the Satanic Temple. And I also made another faux pas. I had wondered if his eyes looked different because he was wearing a colored contact lens like uh, Marilyn Manson does. But uh, he actually has uh, an eye injury a problem with his eye that makes the color of one eye look paler than the other. And I was like, uh-oh, oops. Uh, but I think he, he took it in stride. And for some reason to this day, people on Twitter keep liking his response to me, where he, he said something like, I didn't know, no, something like, glad to know that my eye injury can pass for a fashion accessory or something like that. And I'd replied back something like, and this is not verbatim paraphrasing, like, oh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> you know. I, was, I, said, I might have said something about how I'm a Manson fan, and uh, that was like the first place that my mind went. And uh, he wasn't bothered at all. He was really good-natured about it. But to this day, people keep liking that tweet and reminding me of what an ass I was. Um, but we never did do that interview, and I don't know if he's kind of too big for me now or what. 
you know, because I still have a pretty small following. And he's on Fox News, and he's getting all sorts of television invitations. And uh, I think maybe even reality show invitations and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know if that interview will ever come to pass, but it'd be pretty cool if it does. Uh, and once again, if you're not familiar, just, uh, I think just yesterday, I was explaining to someone, it might have been on the Thinking, Thinking Atheist fan page, that the two biggest strains of Satanism, the Temple of Satan and the Church of Satan, are both non-theistic. Uh, they're essentially atheists or secular groups. They don't believe in a literal devil. And a lot of people, sometimes even atheists who don't know much about non-theistic Satanism, make the mistake of assuming that, you know, these are literally devil worshippers. And someone who I think was actually an atheist said something like, he said something about how it didn't make sense, uh, like an atheist being involved with Satanism. And I replied that both the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple are both non-theistic. And he um, said, then why do they, you know, align or affiliate themselves with a fictional biblical figure? I basically said, you know, that's a good question, which it is. I think that's actually a very astute question if you're not familiar, you know, with them. That's the first thing I would probably ask. And I explained how it's basically, you know, it's symbolic, kind of like Satan as a symbol of rebellion or as the underdog or, you know, kind of going against societal convention or embracing your own will and your own worth. And um, I pointed out how the Satanic Temple has been in the news a lot over the past year or two due to their social activism regarding um, separation of church and state issues. This one's from a religious news service. And I think I actually found this article through one of Lucian Greaves' tweets. Satanic Temple... Yeah, where, yeah, religious news service. Satanic Temple billboard... My chair keeps squeaking. Satanic Temple billboard... Protesting Corporal Punishment Rankles Texas Town. It's by Bobby Ross Jr. This is also dated November 2nd. Trifecta. All the uh, news stories today have been from November 2nd. And I actually remember this billboard and it gave me a chuckle the first time I saw it. Our religion doesn't believe in hitting children. Protectchildrenproject.com Paid for by the Satanic Temple. And it has uh, the Baphomet pentagram. And I'm fascinated by the whole Baphomet concept. I might do an episode on that someday. It's uh, always fascinated me. But let's see. Um, Arthur Culpepper. Arthur Culpepper. Culpepper. Oh, maybe I'm drunk. That last name just seems really funny. Arthur Culpepper, a sheet metal mechanic and part-time pastor in the uh, south Texas town of Three Rivers, first noticed the billboard out of the corner of his eye. He was driving south on U.S. Highway 281 near the local Dairy Queen. Now I'm hungry for Dairy Queen. When the message caught his attention, our children, oh, our religion, from here it's going, our children doesn't, our religion doesn't believe in hitting children. The sign was paid for by the Satanic Temple, a national group whose Protect Children project takes aim at paddling in public schools. They still do that? 2017, they're still paddling people. Really? I was going to say, what kind of, like, sick individual paddles a kid? I'm not saying, you know, maybe, I don't know, parents, maybe if you have a kid that runs out across the street without looking like I did as a kid once and got in trouble. Maybe, I don't I don't know. I'm against corporal punishment. I'm against hitting children in general. But if parents want to give their own kid a light spanking on the bottom or something, I can't stop them. You know, that's not my place. But just picturing like a teacher, someone's not even related to the kid, like bending a kid over and hitting them on the ass with a paddle. It's just, eh, it don't seem, it don't seem kosher, man. Don't seem kosher. I think this is a quote from Culpepper. I kind of thought it was funny, said Culpepper, who pastors at the non-denominational... Oh, jeez, I sound like uh, Billy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, and I develop a stutter tonight. Um, the pa <laughs> Let's start again. I kind of thought I kind of thought it was funny, said Culpepper, who pastors at the non-denominational River of Life Worship Center. Everybody in America has the right to rent a billboard if you want to rent a billboard. Free speech or not, many others in the town of 1,900, about 75 miles south of San Antonio, express shock and outrage at the group's message, which targets the Three Rivers School District Board of Trustees' 6-0 to zero vote in July to reinstitute corporal punishment. Get screwed. 
Come on, really? Reinstitute corporal punishment? The community is upset, not happy, said Kevin Mackey, minister of the Three Rivers Church of Christ, which responded on its own sign, Satan doesn't own all the signs in Three Rivers. Don't let him own you. Well, Satan doesn't own any signs because he ain't real. At least I'm pretty sure. I'm 99.9% .9 certain that Satan ain't real and Jesus never walked on water. Um, let's see. Lynn... Uh, Lynn Means, her last name's Means, Lynn Means, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Three Rivers, echoes Mackey's concern. I'm very sorry that the billboard has been posted in our town, especially in a city park where families and our children congregate, Means said. There's not really anything I can do about it personally except pray for those people responsible for putting something like that up in our town. And I think the beauty of this is, and I'm sure it's not lost on the Satanic Temple, that you have Christians denouncing and arguing against a billboard that is advocating against child abuse. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, chew on that one for a while. According to the Protect Children website, the Satanic Temple believes that children should not be objects of physical violence or psychological abuse. We have prepared a, let a letter that can be signed by students which informs their public schools that their deeply held beliefs do not allow for them to be hit in school, physically restrained, placed in solitary confinement, or deprived access to a bathroom. Hopefully our billboard will give pause to passers-by who will be forced to confront the fact that the school district is being operated by depraved and ignorant sadists who have no business being in education, a Satanic Temple spokesman who goes by the name Lucian Greaves told the Dallas Morning News. In a statement quoted by The Progress, a local newspaper, school superintendent Mary Springs said, It has come to our attention that outside groups may try to force their beliefs on our community while attempting to orchestrate controversy and conversation regarding this policy. We believe that the majority of our community is very supportive of the school and our policies. Probably, you know, you would want the damn vote. We believe that the conversations that take place between our administration and our parents regarding student behavior are the most important conversations regarding this topic. The district continues to focus on the greatest aspect of our work, which is educating children. and will not have any further comment on this policy, concludes the statement. Well, you voted in favor of a policy that says it's all right to punish children physically. Maybe you should leave the conversation open. Jesus, man, no pun intended. But I guess I'll call it quits there. We'll see what this damn thing sounds like once I try to listen back to it, make it sound like something. So once again, thanks everyone for watching or listening. You know the drill. You can like the Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter. Uh, you can check out the YouTube channel. Um, you can subscribe via iTunes or leave a review via iTunes. If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can use the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page, or you can go to patreon.com and support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, thanks as always, and uh, until next time.